wake up, all you scum doggies. We're all going to die. That's an actual quote from Lux Interior, the cramps, who's no longer with us. Anyways, shows my age, I know. It's true. But I have young children. So I know, I know every Yo Gabba Gabba lyric there. It's time to dance. Are you ready? Yeah. Anyways, I'm really glad that all of you are here. And this will be the most important panel that you'll ever, ever know in your entire life. In fact, you'll all go to the top of the building and jump off because you will get the knowledge of what life is all about only from this panel and no other place. We are going to give you secrets of how to make fortunes, secrets on how to get into heaven and what is really wrong with Ted Cruz. This is the one and only music and images panel. And this panel is going to be about everything that around that you can think of visually, including my lunatic self, and what goes on in this space. And I'm really, really happy that we have an unbelievable all-star panel, many people that I am very close to that I'm friends with, many people that we're actually in business with, and some people I can't fucking stand. I didn't say that, but um, (laughs) I am very, very happy to be moderating this panel, so I'm going to shut the fuck up and uh, hand it over to these wonderful colleagues that will introduce themselves and what they do and what they're about. Langers. Jan, we'll start with the most beautiful one on the panel. Hi, my name is Jan D'Alessandro, and I run business development for Backplane. That I don't know if you guys know Backplane, but we are a platform that allows brands and public figures to build interest-based communities. You know, Think about Facebook was built to connect people with their friends. We're about connecting people with shared passions. Hey, I'm uh, Rami Perlman. I run music at The Audience. We are a network of celebrity musicians, DJs, festivals, and we work on content and strategy for these artists on various platforms. And hopefully a lot of the things you see on these platforms are things that we've had a hand in. (laughs) Thanks. I'm Jason Fiber. I uh, have a company called Superfecta Entertainment. I'm basically an artist and talent manager. I'm a refugee of the record labels, and I'm working to try to find opportunities for artists in the landscape that is developing in 2013 and beyond. That's mostly defunct at this point, but yeah, hence being a refugee from the uh, record labels. Hi, uh, good morning. My name is Chris Wiltsey. I lead business development at Bandpage, and uh, what we're all about is helping artists and fans connect on the major platforms online. I'm Ty Roberts. I'm the uh, CTO and co-founder of Gracenote. Gracenote, I'm, I guess, the technologist on the, on the panel here. Uh, Gracenote provides software and services which allow music players and music applications as well as televisions and video applications to have information in them. And one of the biggest pieces of information is photographs. Everybody wants more photos inside their music products, and they want something to look at, not just something to hear. So I sent this out to the panel early, and, and it was discussion on what happened to visuals is, and going along with recorded music. And really a perfect storm happened, really I would say in the last 13 years ago, where a lot of people really sort of blamed piracy as killing the music industry. But I also have a few other things besides bad A&R, terrible music, and people didn't know what they're doing at the record companies few that why there is more of a bigger reason what happened and one of it was if you look what happened at the end of the last century MTV really stopped playing music videos right 
and then radio formats shrank, and then with Napster coming along, right, which I thought was a great thing, and then it kind of evolving into iTunes, really what happened is music started to look like an Excel sheet. If anybody wants to talk about, like, like the visual power of music, it goes back to, a, I have to, let's see, uh, date somebody who's really, really old here. Is Ted Cohen here? Oh, sorry. You go back to, say, the Beatles or Ed Sullivan on, on television, right? And you go into what was great television at one time with Shindig and Hullabaloo and then great album covers and such. And really, it disappeared 13 years ago where it was just simply track title, artist name, and how many minutes it played. So really, visuals stopped happening. But what's interesting is the growth of the music industry in the sense of the live industry, the visual part of the industry, right? The festivals. Like 13 years ago, there was no Coachella, right? You know, there was no big, you know, Bonnaroo was just, you know, maybe in its very infant stage and all. So really, the live industry took all the visual aspects and then, you know, EDM coming along and everything else, but it went away in the recorded thing. So I'm throwing it out to my wonderful esteemed colleagues here to discuss this. I mean, I could, I could say something about the fact that the, the text information was strictly because the first iPod only had a liquid crystal display. So the first, it's hard to, hard to remember that, but essentially music went, and I, we were the CDDB database, so music became text. You know, before that, I was making rich, interactive, visual, you know, multimedia albums, and the reality is that all left and went down to text. And the internet was really a GIF file, because the internet in the very beginning was very, very small. As the internet became fat, and as, as, as websites became aggregating up photographs, suddenly photographs exploded on the internet, and, and photographic celebrity exploded. Like you could be famous for your photograph playing music or you could be famous for crashing your Mercedes in Beverly Hills. So the reality is that that combination is something that really changed. And so you know, Vince, Vince's business is actually largely the use of photographs to explore all of the dimensions of an artist, not just maybe their, their aspect of playing music. Yeah, There's a $20 fine for anybody uh, from this panel planting somebody in the audience <laughs> uh, 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 right, to promote themselves or anybody else. Understand, I have a whole row of Getty people in the back there, and they are taking <laughs> notes right now. I just wanted to mention, I, I think I kind of disagree with the overall idea that music has become less visual. If anything, it's become more visual. My company, you know, focuses on... Oh, Rami, I'm, I'm not saying, like, it's, it's getting there. I'm saying when it fell off the cliff, uh, um, and that's why I cut your mic, up, mic off, right? Um, uh, 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 here... Uh, uh, but anyways, uh, my point is, yes, I agree. Carry on. Uh, well, now I'm confused. But either way, I'm just saying that you know the, the, in, the experience of putting on a vinyl and looking at that album cover, which I, I believe it was George Michael's Faith that my brother had, and that's kind of where I learned about that you know, world for a second. Um, I think that it's just much richer now. And I think the, you know, the difference between you know, an artist who's leveraging this and a difference between someone who's not is, is night and day. You, know, you look at artists who really value you know, the content coming from their social platforms, and all of a sudden you create super fans, I think, way quicker than you did with putting on an LP and, and looking at it. Same for me. I mean, I had thousands of CDs when I went to college, so I know all about the experiential. Um, I also think that festivals, I think it's two different things because festivals are about experience, you know, and images come out 
out of that experience. And I think it's more about a testament to where the culture is today. You know, we, we work on uh, many different festivals, inclu- including Coachella, and it's really all about friends and groups of friends and communication. And I think that, you know, when you're at a festival, it's more than just the music. If anything, the music is just kind of the, 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 the kind of... Excuse. The umbrella, yeah, exactly. The excuse, um, when really it becomes about you know capturing the imagery, capturing you know the, the the tweets that are going on. You know, people kind of have this whole new vibe of you. If you didn't take you know your Instagram photo of your breakfast, did you really have breakfast? And I think that that's a lot about what you know uh, festivals become about. And I think that really the main thing is that if you're a music artist today, you need to be visual. You don't have a choice. You know, you have, you have anomalies like The Weeknd, who came out for a year without even showing Abel's face, the lead singer. Um, and I, I know a lot of people who felt that it was ruined <laughs> once you saw who it was. Um, but at the end of the day, that was a visual campaign. That was something that would, made you feel a certain way. Um, and one last thing I'll let everybody speak is that, you know, social and and, and connecting with your fans, it's about emotion. It's about connecting in an emotional way. And seeing a, uh, a image or a video coming off of something is much more impactful than seeing a link that says, go buy my ticket on Ticketmaster or go buy my song on iTunes. There's nothing valuable about that to anybody. There's, it's value as me as a super fan. I'm going to buy that album, but I'm not going to do the sharing or the evangelism that the whole, you know, that is what you want your fans to do. So, um, you know, that's why imagery, that's why video is so important. It's that emotional connection that you need. Yeah. I'm going to take my mic. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I, I'm going to actually support that. That you know, I think what you see in the evolution of the social web. You know, I saw a presentation by someone from Facebook last year at AdTech who was showing when Facebook first came out. We all forget it was very text-based, and that you know we at you know at Backplane have had the benefit of seeing the evolution and the and the advances that have been made with Pinterest and the ability for people to share photos and everything so easily. But that's, it's exactly right that, you know, when, so, you know, our biggest, you know, client in the arts, in the uh, music space is Lady Gaga. And, you know, Lady Gaga is a very visual artist. And we have about a million super fans in her, um, in her community, littlemonsters.com. And what the reason that the, her, the whole company grew out of her frustration with her inability to connect with her fans in a meaningful way through the existing platforms and that she really wanted to have a communication with her fans and and what what you see is you know Gaga and her team posting photographs and and messages from from Gaga herself but then the fans interacting and posting drawings and messages and you know, everything interacting with her and it becomes sort of really a, a two-way communication between the fan but it's very very visual and we are working with Coca-Cola, Nike, Cirque du Soleil and it, they're all of the, the all, 99% of the content that's being posted is visual. It's photographs, it's drawings, um, you know, more than anything else. And I think that's, it creates this emotional connection that, you know, in addition to, you know, Gaga's, the, the tags that are particularly active are fan art. You know, there's the body revolution where, you know, Gaga created something where she took a photograph that someone in the press called her fat. So she took a picture of herself in her underwear and posted it and said, you call this fat? And um, it created this sort of deluge of people, so, you know, supporting one another, going on. Yeah, I apologize for calling her fat. <laughs> uh, uh, Jason, as you being hands-on with your artist, what are you uh, doing to uh, compensate or your artist uh, as far as visuals and uh, and videos and everything else? Um, well, obviously, as much content, you know, the the thing that I would say has really become the standard is whenever we do live shows there's always the writer and inevitably the promoter wants to know what our camera policy is and once upon a time 
we had a fairly strict photo um, release that we'd send out to all of the professional photographers and you know and I, I there's actually a um, a Facebook group about professional music photographers who publish photo releases on the page that they find particularly egregious and I thought ours were fairly liberal until I saw it posted on the music photographers book and got a louder shit for it so we actually changed our policy to yes just our photo policy is yes anything that doesn't involve carrying it on your shoulder bring it on in and post it and if you would be so kind as to tag it it would help us as well and ultimately to some degree we gauge the success of a live show or any sort of other campaign by how many videos are posted how many photos have been posted how many times can i track it on instagram or youtube or vimeo or any of the other platforms so to some degree, it has become the meter of how successful we've been at that exact moment in time. Now, it doesn't necessarily translate into record sales or merch sales or anything like that, but there is a certain degree of buzz that one can feel from the amount of content that's been posted, and we can use that to, in some, in some respects, generate additional buzz by then aggregating it on the various social networks on the website to try to create a, some sort of call to action, whether it be download the song or share the link or whatever else. Very cool. Chris, do you want to add one? Because uh, uh, Chris representing band page. Yeah, and- love to. You know, I think it's it's interesting. I, I, I kind of agree with what Rami was saying. I think there were maybe a lot of bands in the pre-MTV era, uh, in the vinyl era, who were huge because of the merits of their music, which is ultimately a great thing, uh, who maybe in a more visual era probably wouldn't have had a chance. Uh, because it just looked so horrible, uh, <laughs> but but I think that now there's 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 all these different visual platforms. YouTube probably being the the most important one that, that maybe hasn't been even referenced yet uh, in, in terms of being so uh, so visually driven uh, and, and such a great platform uh, to to get music out. Uh, what we're doing at Bandpage um, that's really uh, well, it's been interesting over the last three years that we've been in business. Uh, when we were just a Facebook app, uh, I think like the audience, we spent a lot of time helping to coach artists in terms of how to get engagement on on Facebook uh, and how to be engaging with their audience. And it wasn't about just posting, you know, a one-liner about what's happening or what you want your fans to do, but putting up an engaging picture with you know a, a great tagline. And, and the differences in engagement would be exponential, literally exponential. Um, what we're focused on t- today, like with with the Facebook app, you know, where we helped artists m- make the move from MySpace to Facebook, is uh, helping artists to get into, uh, have more control of their profile and presence on the major music platforms. So uh, we've done integrations with Pandora. We're powering uh, their concert calendar, where if you go to pandora.com slash concerts, you'll see it. Um, it's a visual display of all the concerts that are coming to town of the bands or the channels that you've created on Pandora. So it's, it's very uh, relevant to you. Uh, similarly, powering the artist profiles on um, Xbox Music, Vivo. Uh, soon we just announced Rhapsody and a few other major platforms. And the visual aspect is what a uh, big piece of what those platforms are looking for, to allow the artists or their digital teams to change the profile photo um, or to add a gallery or to bring in uh, tour dates and other contextual information that helps really define who that artist is. When you've got an artist like Lady Gaga, every time there's a new record, there's a new color palette or a new aesthetic. And so for her or her team to be able to go in 
and change that imagery to, to match that single and that release uh, is, is a powerful part of the marketing. Well, it's, it's one thing that, and I want to say this, this is more than just you know, music artist images, right? And um, full confession here, um, at Getty Images, we are iStock Photo, we are Wire Image, we, are, uh, we also license music. It's all content. And the big thing is, like, when you say, like, you know, like Pink Floyd, it wasn't about, like, how cute they were. It was about this unbelievable visual explosion. And really, like, when I – it's funny. I'll, I'll give you a good example. An artist like Trent Reznor actually licenses stock imagery from us for merchandise, right? Uh, licenses footage for music videos. There's actually a, a Tom York video that's 100% Getty, you know, video, right? And then also Trent gives us music to go out and license to go along with visuals, right? And so this thing that, that um, and I'm not saying there it's about you being pretty or having, you know, some sort of like, you know, own look yourself. It's about just the, the, the contextual way of where the web has gone. And I thought that, Ty, your great point that you were saying is the web going from a textual space to a contextual space. And Rami, not to take anything away, I just say that basically we can play in this and play in it more. And I think that everybody on this table right now is all about the fact that we know we can make it a better and more wonderful experience. I'm going to add something in terms of the oh. visuals, um, and that's merch. But when I say merch, I don't mean like band merch where you buy like a T-shirt or something like that. What I'm seeing, and I'm seeing this more and more not only with musicians but in all artists, is that artists are starting to use the word clothing line a lot. I actually have four different artists right now who believe that they're entering into the apparel business independent of what they're doing as their primary role, whether it be a musician or whatever else. They're working with someone to design screen printed or other kinds of apparel and using their imagery and using their voice to create what they think is something they're going to take to the magic show and get somehow stocked at Hot Topic or Urban Outfitters or someplace like that. And from a visual perspective, it's in sort of a half step away from the music, but it's being driven by the fan base that they've created as a means of trying to sell something to them that is sort of an adjunct to their career, but one that kind of brings them back to it. And from a visual standpoint, while it's not online so much, it's something that they're obviously using their social media platforms as a, as a means to start kind of expanding, and I hate this word, but I'll use it, their brands. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a wait, good wait, 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 wait. I think Ty was going to go. He was. Uh, okay. All right, sorry. Can we just leave the mics up? This whole bringing the mic up and down really is not okay because we're like a very interactive panel. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so, anyways, what I would say there is that that um, right now we're in kind of the informational and and experiential image realm. We see pictures of live shows. We have some artists that are putting up nice images themselves. They're thinking about what they're doing, and their fans are collecting images. But what's not happening yet is. The images being used as part of the actual music listening experience, the actual putting together a creative work around the music only happens in the video realm on YouTube. It's not really part of their product. It's not really part of the thing. They can get some, I guess, some minor amounts of uh, rev share on the ads that are on YouTube, but they're not able to really use anything beyond YouTube as a medium for having visuals. And that's actually something that we're hoping to change in the future, something Grace now hopes to change, which is allowing them to associate photographs with their music. Imagine allowing somebody to curate photographs or images or even video do, clips. Do you mean from a monetization standpoint? Is that what you're talking about? Well, but there has to be two things. Because I, I 
disagree. I think everything that you know, people who are doing social well is all about using images and how it relates to the music itself. But, but they aren't able to sell it for monetization. They can yeah. use it to promote themselves, but it's not really part of their product. And well, it's also it's also not on the screen of the biggest. They can do a video. That's what they can do. That's the only medium they have today to really do it. They don't really have a way to integrate that with the track. It's not inside Pandora. It's not inside the music playing application. It's not inside iTunes. So none of those other applications where we play music really have a visual component. You see the album cover, and it flips back and forth, and maybe you see one picture of the artist. You know, And that should be a rich visual experience with the music. Yeah, but it seems to me that you could look at the social platforms across something like Tumblr, which you know, for you know, a lot of our music artists is a really great medium because of the shareability. And a lot of Tumblr's animated GIFs from music videos. So we, did a, we produced a Miley Cyrus video with Borgor where she jumps out of a cake. It was from last year. Those animated GIFs are like some of the most powerful sure. pieces of content, and it's directly related to the music itself. You will never fully have images and music be integrated fully because they're two separate things in general so what you're talking about is a rich experience and I, I disagree I think that people who are doing social correctly I mean look at Steve Aoki Steve Aoki is someone we took from you know basically 100,000 fans on Facebook he's now 2.5 and his YouTube channel is like off the chain it's all about the fact that we've related visuals with the music we've created a culture for his fans so that when you go to an Aoki show you know that you're going to get a cake in the face you know that there's going to be a raft that you could jump into and I, I just think well, I'm not that saying, it's I'm all, not saying that that isn't a, a, no, no, a way I, to I, do it I'm actually agreeing with, with what Ty's saying Rami he's talking about a new product and the thing is the other, the, but, Sound, but SoundCloud but, but, has imagery. Uh, I mean. You know, SoundCloud's going to have imagery. Believe me, they will, and it will happen someday. The whole thing is everybody wants every screen right now. It's all about the, the they they want it and they want it more. I get where the social thing's going, and I get where it's, you can point at certain things. But what Ty is actually talking about, and it can happen, is a product that combines all the various content being more than just simply you know youtube there will be youtube competitors there will be other products out there and what and what i I just i think i don't understand what it is that you're talking about because because what's it's not it's not been fully you know executed well what i'm saying is what happens inside the actual music playing application so what's the experience inside pandora what's the experience inside itunes what do you see in those when you actually play music nothing ads you're th- and what you're talking about is promotion. You're talking about you know imagery as promotion, which is fantastic, and it's and it's all promotion, about creating- but also development of culture. Well, that's right, and also know? creating a brand, right? Because when you when you you know music is a very emotional thing. You like music because it you know you listen you listen to it and it makes you feel good. But there's also you know artists carefully cultivate their brand. You know, I saw a really interesting chat with um, Andrew Lug Oldham, who was the original you know producer of the Rolling Stones. And he actually came out of the fashion business. And he was a fashion designer and an art director. And he very carefully curated the Rolling Stones image to be anti-Beatles. And he, you know, he, everything, there was nothing was taken by chance. You know, he chose their hairstyles and their clothes and their attitude and the photographs and everything from from the get-go. And I think that that's what you're you're able to do now very easily. But I think what Ty is talking about is helping artists monetize that. Right. Yeah, and I'm also right. just saying that the experience where people are playing the music, if they're playing it on YouTube, they get visuals. That's basically, and a lot of people are doing that today. It's the number one place. But if they're playing it inside a music player, they're not getting very much unless they're playing a video. <laughs> and I think that I think we're we're probably right around the corner. I mean, it, you know, if you use Spotify, you've seen that application get much more visual just in the last four months. There's there's a lot more visually happening. I think this this intersection is is going to be coming and. To pick up on your point, Jan, I think that you know maybe the word we haven't used 
a lot, but is 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 fundamental and is, is maybe less techn- technology driven. Um, that bands and their managers need to think a lot about is just this concept of design. You know, yeah. Pink Floyd had yeah. great design. The Rolling Stones had great design. The Misfits yeah. had great design, and it encapsulates the brand. The Residents, we were talking about uh, this, this great San Francisco band, had amazing design, and that epitomizes the the group and the music and the fan experience. And so I think bands, yeah. And so I think bands would be well served to spend more time thinking about. The design element of and the communi- the visual communication that complements the the musical communication that's going on, and then l- maybe more time up front on that, mm-hmm. and less time thinking about how many Facebook likes they have. Get get that house in order, and then your stuff will begin to be shared there, a, and roll through Tumblr, etc. On that on that point, there actually is a couple things that there's a great documentary on Vivo about the um, Nine Inch Nails current tour, right? And it actually, like, I'm a Nine Inch Nails fan, so full disclosure. Um, and but it is, it showed how visual, like Trent is, like incorporating in this amazing show. And I'll tell you, the reason why the first time I actually can't stand Pink Floyd, to be honest with you. I came from Detroit. Uh, the Stooges were my favorite band, you know. And you know, Iggy is visual and all that. But <laughs> I went, I went and saw Pink Floyd because I saw this album cover called Amagama that had all this shit all over it, right? And I was like, "Son of a bitch, I gotta go check this out." And I'll tell you this: I still go see Pink Floyd, and I could actually see him with earplugs, you know, and like, "Whoa, that's looks really cool," you know. <laughs> well, the well, other I, thing I was gonna say: when you look look at the history of music and the evolution of music, I think that it's impossible. Just to going back to your original premise, it's like it's all contextual. Like, what is happening, you know, in the Gestalt? Like in the world at the time, it's all image based. And I know these guys here are working on a very cool iPad app that sort of creates like a visual history of music, and it ties it all in together. And that's that's something that we can do today that you couldn't do, certainly not when we were kids, even 13 years ago. Well, I've, I've got a question for Ty, which is you're talking about creating a way of adding visuals to what is essentially a passive listening experience to create an active one. I'll, I'll be the manager on the panel. What is the monetization of that? How does an artist make money by adding visuals to what is currently a passively audio, non-interactive type of experience like listening to Pandora or Spotify? Well, I think you'd have to have something. First of all, it'd have to be good. The results would actually have to be pleasing. You wouldn't want to pay money for something that's pleasing. And I'm sure people would I, do I'm, it. I'm out then. Yeah, exactly. But this, the second thing is I think you could also leverage the fact that there are famous photographers and extremely skilled photographers out there. And they have the opportunity to also make money in this equation. It's not just the artist that makes the money. Yes, maybe he can make something with fan photos and it's free and he can put it up there. But but skilled photographers are, you know, there's a lot of them out there. And they, there is an opportunity to do something with actual photography. But there's also an opportunity to even do it with, with art or paintings or whatever, any kind of visual medium. And the question is... Would it be possible to have people curate and associate that with the audio tracks, have a system that when you play the audio tracks, puts these visuals up on your big screen TV so you can see something interesting to look at? So there's a reason to leave the TV on. Right now, like when I have my big TV in my room, I see the album cover flip this way and then that way. If it does that like five times, I turn the TV off. Like there's not much there except maybe the name of the song. So there is an opportunity to have something nice there and that feature in a product could be sold for more money or the people who make those products would actually pay for those features, I do believe. If it was South, good, if it was good. At South by Southwest, we announced uh, Bandpage Experiences, which is this direct-to-fan offers platform, and it's been used for all kinds of offers from from bands to fans, and and some of it is around visual, uh, right, visual elements, the, right. visual products. From the residents, actually, uh, were were putting out this ultimate box set, uh, which had 
uh, first editions of everything. Now, what's that they've price on that? What's the price point on that again? They <laughs> sold one, believe it or not. <laughs> they literally did. Okay, then tell us the price point. It was uh, it was a uh, hundred thousand dollars. Oh my it's god! A yeah. right? It was a refrigerator. What percentage did you get? Just uh, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was a refrigerator. That's the most expensive thing I've ever heard. That's it's incredible. the most expensive thing ever offered. Uh, it, it, literally, it was a refrigerator that had a first edition printing of everything they've ever produced, including one of the iconic eyeballs. Um, but then more, more modestly, uh, we had uh, a band, Taking Back Sunday, uh, whose lead singer is a photographer. Uh, and has a very active life on Instagram, uh, leveraged this product where uh, he could make prints of an Instagram photo with a lyric on it that came on a wood block. And he offered up, I think it was maybe 50 of those to fans, you know, exclusively on the, on the Experiences platform. And just immediately, you know, the fans responded to this sort of, you know, very limited supply of visual arts. And so for artists like Trent Reznor or others who have a, a very visual aspect, I think there are, are multiple product lines that could be developed and, and marketed to fans effectively. Rami, um, uh, yes, uh, bringing you back into the conversation, right, and, and, and the fact of what you, what you work with and, the, and all the various talent that you work with and the fact of you having to manage these artists' visuals to get out there. Why don't you... Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, just one thing that is really important to us is that you know for us social is the extension of someone's brand and i know you were scoffing at the word brand but that's really how we look at it you know some of my most kind of most artistic artists uh that we work with still we look at them as brands but at the same time we try to create value for fans um and i think the one thing you know this is about imagery uh you know in in the web and for you guys i mean i think if you're an artist if you're a manager it's really important to cultivate this and i i always you know i use gaga as an example all the time and i use the grateful dead as an example you go to those shows people are dressed people know what to expect they know how to talk to each other they know what uh what is it what do they do with Grateful Dead, there's like, well, I need a miracle, and you put your finger up, you know, that stuff. That's, you know, any of the great artists have that culture. And so what I say in every one of my meetings when I'm meeting with a new artist is like, look, this this is your brand, and this is an extension of your culture. This is the mouthpiece. So you really get to define the road in which your fans are going to, you know, see how you are. Now, the, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all agree, music comes first. You know, you have to have a great music. However it's great, you know, it might not be great to me, but whatever it does to emotionally connect, you have to start with that. But, you know, for managers and artists, it's really crucial that you're feeding this fire because really that value that you, you create from a great image can actually monetize when it comes to, hey, we're trying to sell an album. Hey, we're trying to sell a ticket. And, yeah, I agree that, you know, for the most part um, – you know, there's a lot of kind of brand building going on in social, and they say, well, that's not monetization. But to me, I, I actually feel like, you know, brand building is a long tail monetization. It's saying you're going to have more people there at your next show, maybe not on this tour, but the next tour. And then also, images are a huge part of our tour marketing business and a huge part of our album promotion business. It's taking an album and it's taking a music video and saying, what can we derive from this, right? These are, we have the single and we have the singles video, but we have to talk about this album for the next month. How do, we, how do we do that? So what we look at is how do we take imagery from the video? How do we create imagery? How do we take images from Instagram and use song lyrics? That's the kind of different way in which we kind of parse out our content. So at the end of the day, the imagery is actually, <laughs> in terms of the social build, is the, the, the biggest currency. Um, but like I said before, it's got to start and end with fantastic music um, and kind of a respect for your fan base and not using uh, the different platforms as just a place to 
put, you know, buy this, get this here. I mean, you look <laughs> at Rihanna's page, it's a fucking billboard. I love her. I'm a fan of her as an artist. But uh, have, a, have a fun look at her Facebook page after this meeting, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I, well, I, I guess I don't understand how this is radically different than how this kind of visual was relevant in a pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram age. I mean, we're basically just talking about creating items that the artists ultimately want to sell to their fans to try to make money off of them. I get, I, I get that there's a promotional aspect to it. I get that there's a community and brand building aspect of it. But when you talk about everything from the block of wood to the you know kinds of opportunities and experiences that are sold, whether it be like a VIP meet and greet with fans or dinner with a fan or a suitcase or a refrigerator full of stuff, it's just sort of like the same thing in a new era. I mean, there's not exactly. any sort of massively new element of yeah, but innovation. There's, there's the power, though. I mean, you look at Mac Miller, you look at Macklemore, you look at The Weeknd. I mean, that's all stuff that's built. Their value is built out of social. So you know what I'm saying? So I don't disagree. I, I do agree. I'm just saying the difference is, is that you can build backwards. You can start with the social piece and then come out with the music later. I mean, you look at like uh, Austin Mahone, he's got three songs out. He won the VMA for Best New Artist, and you know it's it's crazy. And it all started with social. So I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying maybe the change is in the way in which it's starting. Maybe also you can you know the way in which they're leveraging it. You know, like artists are you know getting reflections from the audience. So they they take a picture of a flower. They say people give me flowers. They get back a hundred photos of flowers, and that's actually cool. Right. There are one photo of a flower. It wasn't actually that cool. But when you get all the different things that the fans create with that, and then you look at those in sequence, that's really interesting. And that's the perfect example example of leveraging the medium because you're getting the fans to do the work for you and turns out a lot of them have great ideas and they're your fan so they kind of have your ideas too and so that it's comes being, back it's, it's being an architect really Jason it's really like you know like full disclosure here I'm a recovering conch promoter I'm a recovering uh, record executive and I've you know made a choice in my life in the beginning of the century uh, when I saw this train wreck happening but the, the really big thing is the greatest artists were really architects on every sort of aspect and they would in, you know invite people in to, to help build that image sure. and 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 create this sort of visual experience right yeah. and you know yes i am wearing a getty images hat my first love and first passion is music right but to say that um um uh that you know they're Everybody has a screen. Everybody's carrying around a screen. Samsung says they have a bigger screen. Some, you know, it's the screens at home. And, it, and I, I actually agree with, with what Ty's saying in the sense that you have all these screens in your house right now. Even Sonos going out and inventing the play bar and adding all this great sound around it. This whole experience can separate you from the pack. And, you know, I'll say um, you brought up a really good example, The Grateful Dead. Now, to me, again... MC5, Stooges, you know, uh, uh, the Dead weren't a big band in Detroit. However, I did see them in 93, and the visual aspect, the fact of the Barsotti brothers and what they did to go and, and have that experience, right, was what separated them from any, anything else. And so, Jason, to say that it's, it, it's been there, it's been there in the past, it's the exact same reason uh, Colonel Tom Parker, you know, did with what he did with Elvis, to what is going now on today. And the fact is, it may not be about having a number one record, right? It may be about everything around that that builds that, that artist experience and builds that entire experience of why you'll throw down to go to that show while I'll go and buy the pajamas of your artist, right? And while I'll sit on band page for uh, an hour and a half and while I'll uh, look at uh, 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 Ty's new product that he's going to be putting on the flat screens and Jan's thing and, and your artist band page, fan pages. 
you know, one, one thing also just to say this is that uh, there has been some challenges in the industry. We haven't really talked about it. Synchronizing images with sound is a right that has to be negotiated. And that's a huge problem because you can't, for example, you has a service, like say it was Pandora that was up here, they can't individually negotiate an individual right to put images with every single track that's in their service. That's just like not possible. And so the reality is, how can we get images that actually do show up with the music in a way that we don't have to negotiate a sync license? That's a, certainly an interesting problem. And probably means they have to be randomly associated with the with the timing of the song. It can't be something where they're actually preconceived in advance, which is certainly a limitation because a lot of artists would like to be able to preconceive exactly what images show up exactly at what time. But because of the licensing issues, it might have to be random. That's, that's actually a great point. It's been one of the biggest handcuffs, I think, in the entire business is, is this is this whole sort of set of like I think every platform wants to be compliant everybody wants to make money and if you can create something that's going to create a better value a better experience and I agree that these services are going to get more and more competitive with wanting to to ha- own more of your home and the uh, the fact that they have to take the handcuffs off to make this uh, a lot more interesting they'll just make more money or, or what will happen is it'll just be the power of YouTube. I mean, right now, YouTube has the license to essentially offer, I'll call it a default sync license, because you can put a clip up there, and as long as the record company doesn't take the track down or the artist doesn't take the track down, they have a blanket license to put it up. So by not having it in the other services, unlike, you know, and I know YouTube paid some significant money to get that right, that's a problem. That just drives all the visuals off to YouTube that are, I'll call it, synced with music. Just to go back to, to Jason's point and question, I think, there's a huge difference in, in the way that things are today because of all the channels, because the band now has the ability. You know, it used to be, you know, in the MTV era, uh, there were limited channels to go through and they were hard to get into. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you weren't in that sort of uh, temple, uh, you were outside the castle. And it was, it was you know, a tough place to be as a, as a band trying to break in now. With YouTube and with with uh, all the other uh, social outlets, you can with a great uh, with great content and visual is usually a huge huge part of that. You can build a base. We just did a, a partnership with the DigiTour, which is this group of uh, YouTube stars. They're you know not typical bands, not typical uh, musicians. They don't play shows. They don't have merch. They don't do the things that most bands do, but they have millions of fans watching their music on on YouTube. And a promoter got together and put them on the road, uh, banded them together, and they're doing this set of of shows. And it's been fascinating to see how uh, they're making that leap to becoming a a sort of a real-world band. Um, We did some artist experiences uh, around that tour, and we had no idea what to expect, again, because they had never played live, any of these guys. They sold, it was like $100,000 worth of VIP in 48 hours. Um, the fans were electric and dying to get closer to those bands and, and get involved. Um, and, and that's, you know, again, uh, 10 years ago, it wasn't really possible for bands to be self-made uh, with that same velocity that, that you can And you I can think it's also like the, the new platforms, you know, allow for this user interaction, the interaction with the fans, where the fans can participate. They can manipulate the content. You know, even the Digital Millennium Copyright Act protects 
you know, the platforms from user-generated content that may be infringing, but it allows, you know, the bands to get much closer to the fans in ways that they never could before. So it's really, sure. it's no different than what they've done before. There's just, it's a lot easier now right. to get closer to your fans. Yeah, well, but doesn't the opening of so many avenues also sort of make it even more difficult to somehow stand up from the pack? Well, like, you know, I, I wouldn't argue in a heartbeat that artists like The Weeknd and their ilk have used current technologies better than most as a means of giving themselves the opportunities and the, and the, to build fan bases and brands and everything else. But again, you could go back you know, 20 years and talk about Fugazi and Annie DiFranco and these other artists that did stuff on their own that other artists weren't doing. You know, There's always sort of the prodigies that stand out from the pack that kind of lead and then sort of everyone else wants to follow. But I think it's fair to say that in the grand scheme of things, those are generally exceptions rather than the rule. But that's the exceptions are the ones who always win. You know, it, understand this. At no, and I'll say this right. In the '90s, at Sony Music, our failure rate was 98.5 percent. And I'm talking about artists that had millions of dollars put behind it. Jason, right? You know, uh, uh, I'll give you one. Taja Seville. I remember, like the you know, they were spending millions of dollars on this, right? And uh, you know, managed by the same people that managed Mariah Carey, the whole nine yards, and this thing flopped. It flopped so fucking badly, right? You know, you could hear 550 just fall over and bounce once after it flopped so badly, right? <laughs> so it wasn't the fact that the money wasn't spent there, right? But it, and it's funny, it's it's these artists that really, really like they could be uh, 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 not maybe as talented as somebody else, but they really want it, oh, yeah. and they really go out there and they 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 build out. Different and 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 you know, uh, most of the time, like I'll, I'll be at say, not this conference by the way, but I'll be at some dumbass conference, right? And at the dumbass conference, they'll be uh, uh, handing me uh, uh, CDs and going, "What's the shortest path to cash?" Right? You know, and and you know, if you look Recycling. at what's what's gone on wrong, you know, where radio and all these things, and it's more important to be in business with Rami. It's more important to be in business with Chris. It's more important for you to guide them in a different way and and know Ty and know what Jan's doing and have this thing of build this great sort of thing that nobody else has built, right? And and have great music to go along with it, right? I'll, I'll say this to you, right? Like, uh, um, I have been a fan of dance music uh, for years. Uh, these kids out of Detroit invented it, right? Uh, uh, they were my DJs at one time, right? And to look at what where Dead Mouse took it to now, right? And I actually think Dead Mouse makes great records, but this guy separated himself so fucking far from the pack on everything that he did, right? And it was a brilliant move on his part, right? Taking a fucking hat with big ears on it and going up there and saying, I'm Dead Mouse, right? And, it, you know, it, it worked. He was the bravest guy to wear the stupidest thing. He was awesome. yeah. it, it's yeah. the Devo Energy Dome of the current era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think you make a really good point because that because at the end of the day, now it's open season and you really have to make a mark. So I, I think your point is actually really well taken because before it was about limited points of distribution, right. and now it's about the floodgates are open and you better have something amazing to, to right. put out. Right. But, but it doesn't mean that artists have to be. I mean, they don't have to be, but they have to be very creative and good at all these different things. And you know, you can have sucky music and awesome visuals, or but you can't really have great music and no visual. So the problem is you. <laughs> I and say it's it. still stars aligning. There's still all of the other stuff. I mean, we, right. you know, both as someone who works for artists and, and, and have, have a lot of friends who do it. I mean, you just never know. It's still a crapshoot no matter how great an artist you have or great visuals. So, you know, 
same 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 holds true as it always has. It's true. I mean, it, yeah. There's no. We're not saying there's a there's a shortcut here either. And that I think that's you know that's the message we're saying. But there is there is this thing that that and and my point was that it went to what what Ty was saying earlier. You know, uh, just text. And now the opportunity, the opportunity to get this stuff and be. And I'll I'll say this to you. And I was like, I was telling my panelists earlier. I think our biggest growth at Getty Images and iStock is going to be what we call the MCNs, the multi-channel networks, right? Because they're going to go from the dumbass cat that is scratching somebody's balls, right? Excuse me, Jen. Uh, to, um, uh, 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 to actually making content that you know, somebody else wants to see. You know? uh, and, and it's going to be better programming. And you're seeing the channels and, and say the point of like looking at, you know, say where Netflix, Amazon's building studios, there is going to be YouTube challengers. That is a fact that's going to be out there. Right. And this the other what you can do on your own platform, say with a band page or what your artists can do. This is going to be this next sort of like steps up that are going to be able you're going to be able to create and the content's out there it's it's you can license it you can build it you can mash it up you can play with it and it doesn't just have to be band photos you know where the bass player says no i look like a dumbassness it's got to be more than that well i think that's exactly right it has to be more than that and what what you have now with the new platforms like i think what ty is working and certainly what we're doing is the ability for the artist to see what they're putting out there that's resonating with their audience. You can track real time, you know, this this worked, this didn't. And I think that's something that you couldn't do before. And that, you know, with all the analytics and the data that we're all t- tracking and putting in the hands of the artists, it's it's really powerful. The other thing is is that I think the photographer relationship with the professional photographers is absolutely critical to the to these uh, artists. Like you see these guys at the front of the stage, they got a camera in your face. Meet them, talk to that guy because that guy's got fifty thousand fans, and he puts every Jay Blakesburg every time he posts an image, fifty thousand people look at it. Talk to Jay Blakesburg. Good well, idea. Bands are taking videographers and photographers on the road with them. I mean, That's creating right. that kind of exactly. instant content absolutely. to gauge instant reaction is almost as important as bringing a sound guy at this point. Needs to be part of the I mean, team. It's the fifth beetle, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, and and then if they can't take them on the road with them, every town you go to, find some guy there who just will come and cover your show. Invite him to show early, get him the access, you know, make sure he's there. Just get him to share all those photos, and you can share the photos. And then just to add this too is is one of the biggest artist incomes right now is is actually syncing music, you know, for commercials, for television. Get that out there. I mean, that's been you know our last you know thing that that uh, we we acquired content wise at Getty was, you know, music and it's been growing for us. It's making it really easy, as you're saying, having the rights compressed in one place. And that's like where you can make money uh, licensing your stuff for television, but also give it to your friends that are making a cool movie. Give it to your friend that's doing a documentary. Make it, you know, if they're doing something, it will will get out there. So at this point, I want to um, uh, now uh, take questions from our audiences. Uh, you just sprang up real quick. Go ahead. Hello. My name is Jim Chowdhury. I'm from California College of the Arts, getting a heads-up education. So my question is, Is you're seeing a lot of co-branding, which is what you guys have been talking about a lot. Uh, my most recent favorite example is the Tiesto Guest collaboration that everyone's just been going wild for. I was on a trip recently, and like my friend is like, I have to have the fucking Tiesto shoes. Those are the shit. But what is the main pain point between brands and artists? I mean, how do you negotiate that relationship? Money. 
like straight like part part of what my company does is try to find those opportunities for artists and it really always comes down to to you know does the brand have the money and then also can you show the ROI so obviously with Tiesto number one DJ in the world it makes a lot of sense but going to you know a brand that's not as familiar with like four really dope trap DJs who were like yo this is exactly who you need to talk to convincing them that A they should spend the money on those DJs um, and convincing them on the value is very difficult because when you deal with these huge brands they just see you know Taylor Swift. So um, that's a little bit of the pain point is how do we get these really, really amazing artists with amazing social reach to be taken seriously by brands, at least. In, in but and there also has to be cultural alignment, right? Sure. You know, that it's like it's it's that like, you know, obviously that brand made sense for Tiesto. It wouldn't for further. Jason, do you, you want have to a, you could have some psychedelic <laughs> shoes? I, you know, I, I, I love hearing my voice, but I, yeah. I think he covered it pretty accurately. I mean, at the end, the answer is to some degree money. The only other adjunct to that would be opportunity and visibility, you know, to create something. You know, one of the sort of great interesting stories is um, Jägermeister. You know, they have this giant sponsorship website, which is essentially when you boil it down to it, they'll print posters with their logo on it and your face on it for you to give away at concerts. But a lot of artists are like, I really want to be a, a Jägermeister artist. And sometimes they'll like shoot you a couple bottles and make you feel valid on some level. But ultimately, it's not all that interesting because what they're doing in some degree is helping get their brand out at the expense of your merch sales. So it's really what the opportunity is and how are you going to benefit from it. Obviously, money generally runs it, but there's also other things that sometimes lend themselves into it because it could lead to something greater down the line. So best Thanks. Uh, next question, please. We'll go with the guy in the back. I was just uh, walked in when you were talking about pretty much, I guess, syncing music into with images. I just was curious if any of you had brought up uh, the tool soundtracking and the way that they figured out how to use it and uh, connecting with iTunes and having to have your sales happening on iTunes and using that minute and 30 seconds? Um, well, since since we power soundtracking, <laughs> I can say that uh, basically the idea there is is that people can, you know, this is the Shazam thing of you can hold up a phone anywhere, you can hear something, but they actually combine that with location services and other things. You can see, like, what's going on around me, and that actually is important. What there isn't really right now is there isn't a visual component to that, and that actually might be a that actually might be something cool for them to actually do. I can't really see what I'm doing. I can I can see what the name of the song is, but I can't really see the visual side. And the 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 syncing part of it that's really a challenge is that if somebody physically associates an image with a time in a the song, then that that technically is part of the the sync thing. If it just appears randomly or a whole bunch of things appear randomly, then it seems to fall outside that. But it's all gray, and people really right now don't really know exactly where wh what's in for sync and what's out. You know, it's it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I think that uh, I kind of meant more or less that you were talking about how you can get past right holders that are trying to protect their rights, and I, I just was, I just meant more or less that they were smart enough to partner with iTunes. Absolutely. I mean, that's just one way as a manager that I could see how we can promote our songs and let other people use them for free without giving them the ability to listen to the whole song because who's going to listen to the whole song online usually when they're just looking at a quick picture? Of their yeah, just, you're just getting like a little yeah. clip of sound. Ninety yeah. seconds. I think ninety seconds now. You know, exactly. and that's actually that's actually been stretched. It was originally like thirty seconds, 30, right. yeah. But now ninety is the new, I guess, iTunes standard. I don't know if everyone can do that. But, yeah. But that that just even able to get a sound, and you can see from like I guess you know people look at Instagram or Vine, and you don't even know how long those things are. Fifteen seconds or something like that. About you don't ninety seconds is actually pretty long. Like a whole a whole Instagram video is fifteen seconds or something. Yeah. 
And then I was just going to comment one thing this gentleman said real quick, and I was just going to tell anybody in here that wanted to know, smart links are one way that uh, sp- um, brands are now partnering with bands that have strong uh, analytics and outreach on social media to actually see the click-through rates from fans that go to, you know, if it was like a brand like O'Neill and it was like a surf rock band, they could actually see how much traffic is being driven to... Uh, you know, through those social medias and to see ROI because the gentleman from audience is absolutely correct about that. So yeah. we use those all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those, those tracking tools are really important. You guys all see the little coded URLs. That's all information for the audience tracking tools. Okay, next question. You in the front row. You in the front row, right there. Yeah, you in the hat. You in the hat. Don't look at There's no other front row except that row. <laughs> I think, I think it's less of a question. It's, you talked about merch as well. I think there's tons of cool bands. I have huge social networks, and, and I'm really inspired by their numbers. And then I go to their show, and there's nobody there. So there's other people who really low social numbers, tons of people at the show. So which is more valuable and... Do you really need to ask that? No, question? I know <laughs> not. not. <laughs> no, but I think I think I think it's a good question because it's about what is your metric for for success? What is your impact? So, like something we did at the VMAs, we had Richard Simmons show up on the red carpet two weeks ago, and for him, his social is pretty small. We came in more just to make an impact, and it was picked up by every national magazine and entertainment tonight, all that stuff. To us, that was a success. You look at his Insta, it's probably like six thousand. His Facebook has forty thousand. So, I think it really is about what you're looking at, and and I think your point. I mean, I think we it both is, agree. We'd want, the, we'd want the bodies in the venue <laughs> versus the numbers I, I, on social. I, I, it's, it was less of a question and more just saying like about brand and, and brand strategy and thinking like not just the online and, and the visuals, but VJs at shows are getting booked now as, as the visual artists, and that just wasn't the case like years ago. And so thinking about the brand as much as musicians maybe don't want to talk about it, it's really they have to think the higher level of like music, clothing, show, Right. What the fans that's a really, want, actually, that's a really whatever. good. It's really good point. You didn't. We didn't actually talk about the fact that that putting visuals up actually while you're a DJ performing and having or have somebody who's actually doing the visuals while you're doing your thing right. is like the thing that's happening now because it's like yes, you can wear a giant dead mouse head, but it's a lot better if you have a big screen with some really but cool shit it, on but it. But it has LEDs on it. Yeah, if you have LEDs. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the thing that you're bringing up is the bands that have low social numbers but high audience are the, generally the ones that are doing the more creative things that the mainstream hasn't quite caught on to, that the music early adopters are finding out. And the ones that tend to have huge numbers but low turnout are the ones where they had some big moment of temporary fame and then everybody gave up and moved on to whatever the next big moment was and then went away. So, I mean, I, I think that's one of the easier ones. Um, you know, but at the end, you know, I want the bodies of the club. Yeah, like, like I said, I'm just bringing up the point. Less of a question, more just of a... Okay, behind you. Behind you, the guy with the glasses, he had his head. Oh, well, we'll, yeah. sh- we'll talk at the same time and see, how we'll, yeah. see what happens. <laughs> uh, so, um, curious, you know, Jason, I've heard in the past people say, like, you know, artists are in the T-shirt and concert industry mostly, and music is kind of a lost leader. I don't know if that's totally true, but it seems like it can be at times. Curious from, from anybody, but Ty and, and Jason and Rami particularly... You know where where are the other monetization monetization opportunities, particularly in the visual or other content areas? It's not just tchotchkes, Excuse me, I love the residents too, but where where else can you see revenue generated? You know, from the consumer side, 
Well, I'll tell you, the, the brand marketing thing that he brought up, I mean, artists that can figure out how to work that and find a brand, it doesn't, and it's, it is hard. Yes, they want Taylor Swift, but the reality is they can't get Taylor Swift, usually. So after a while, you, and there are some brands like Red Bull who really have like a new music program or really looking for new artists. And so getting something put together with them and getting something that then also helps sell the music but also helps them back your shows and putting together a whole package, that the guys are working that, that's, that's the thing that's happening. And then there's, there are some new things that are happening out there, which I think is, which is that the, the, you know, the festivals and things like that are letting people do different things. And so the reality is, is that people are looking for better experiences. So, you know, yes, playing music is, is one thing, but also people are, are doing photography exhibits and other kinds of things. And that, that's something that's not necessarily their music, but they happen to be good at it or they happen to be good at curating it. So you can do these other things. And yes, you could get a brand to sponsor that. And, and, uh, and one other big point I want to make, and uh, we'll probably have to end this. Where's my guy? Uh, one minute. Okay. I'm going to say this to you. I was at a panel uh, about a year and a half ago in London for the Association of Independent Music. And they had um, three uh, – they had Beggars, the Beggars Group, Beggars, which is Adele, Vampire Weekend, all that, and uh, Jack White in the UK. Play it again, Sam, C2. Their second source of income, their second source of income was from YouTube. Yep. And the kid from C2, yep. right, was castigating. This is no – this is no fans. This is just purely business, purely a B2B conference, castigating the audience for saying you have to make your videos better because that way you'll get more eyeballs. So it's not just saying to like in the sense that it's like where do you monetize? It's about the whole package. And it's about the fact that you know this is a visual as well as an audio, as an oral experience. You've got to have everything. On that note, I really want to thank an amazing panel. Uh, uh, I'm really glad you guys all agreed to do it. Uh, I got your money in the other green room. Thank you. <laughs>